So here's the thing. I've been, um, we've been going through the Old Testament well over a year now, but I decided to take a, a, a week break from that for a variety of reasons. And um, even though I've taught segments of, you can go ahead and start that, um, because you're going to see the title of this message is the Biblical Law of Heredity. And I've taught segments of this over the years, but today you're going to get the whole package. Are you ready for that? Lord, I pray that you would anoint the ears of those that hear today, that they would, their ears would be anointed to hear what you have to speak to them as, as, a, as a person that was created in your image, Lord. Holy Spirit, come and speak your word in Jesus' name. All right, let's jump into Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, Paul writes, the apostle, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death came to all people because all sinned. Now, you might not like this or not, but the apostle Paul shows us that one man, Adam, brought sin and death to all mankind. He also writes in Romans, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the reason all have sinned is because we are all born into the race of the first Adam and have inherited his sinful nature. If you want to think of it like a virus that he, you know, the virus called sin, but it's like a virus that he just passed on to us all. And then Paul explains further in verses 17 and 19. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundance, provision of grace, and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. I mean, you basically say, you don't like it, that you inherited sin? Well, here's some good news as well, and I'll talk about that. But for just as through the disobedience of the one man, many were made sinners, so through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. And so in these two verses, Adam and Jesus are first contrasted with, with each other. In that death reigned through the first man, and life reigned through the second man. And then the two are compared with each other in the sense that we were all born into the first man, Adam. But now we've been born, if we've received the grace from the second man, we've been born into righteousness through him. And so in God's way of viewing history, there's just two men. Adam and Jesus, referred to as the first man and the second man. But viewing Adam scripturally, he was much more than just an historical uh, figure. He was also what his name means in Hebrew, humanity. So all of humanity is viewed as having existed in Adam. So when Adam sinned against his creator, the entire creation, the entire human race sinned with him. Because as we will see, we were in Adam when he sinned. We became sinners, the enemies, remember the Bible tells us, if you recall, that we became sinners, the enemies of God. But if one man can sin for us all, then one can be righteous for us all, Jesus. So if someone has a difficult time, they resist the fact that, why am I being judged by God because, because of what one man did? That's not fair, that's not right. Well, if you can't believe that one man can sin uh, 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 for everyone, then you cannot accept the fact that one man named Jesus can be righteous for everyone, which means you have to earn your own right standing with God. And good luck with that. 
This is where the biblical law of heredity comes into play. It comes from this passage in Romans 5, and it comes from Hebrews chapter 7, where the writer of Hebrews is out to prove in that chapter that the priesthood of Melchizedek is greater than the priesthood of the Levites, which the Levitical priesthood was highly esteemed for centuries. And so when this mysterious Melchizedek is introduced, he's introduced in, in the Psalms and in Genesis, with Genesis and the Psalms, and then uh, Romans 7, the only places he's mentioned, a little mysterious guy, but uh, all that's said of him points to him being a type of Christ Jesus. But then the writer of Hebrews wants to show us something even more significant. Hebrews 7, verses 4 uh, to 7. Just think how great he was. Melchizedek. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi who become priests to collect a tenth from the people, that is, from their fellow Israelites. Even though they are also descendants from Abraham, this man, however, Melchizedek, did not trace his descent from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham, and he blessed him who had the promises. And without a doubt, the lesser is, bla uh, is blessed by the greater. So two things happen when, when Abraham meets Melchizedek. First, Melchizedek blessed Abraham. That made him greater or superior to Abraham. Secondly, Abraham offered tithes to Melchizedek, second proof of superiority. So the one who blesses and the one who receives a tithe, the writer of Hebrews is saying, is the greater one. As great as Abraham's known in biblical history, he was the lesser of the two. Now, you must admit that God looks at everything a little differently than you. No? A little differently. He looks at things... Uh, yeah, he has different eyes than we do. He sees things differently. He, 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 well, look at this fascinating way that God explains this event in verses 9 to 10. Melchizedek meeting Abraham. One might say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham because when Abraham met, uh, when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. Hmm. Levi was the great-grandson of Abraham. He doesn't exist yet. He's not born. He won't come into existence for over 100 years. But according to the biblical law of heredity, which is the way God sees things, Levi was already there in the body, or literally, it's in the loins, the reproductive organs. So Levi was in the reproductive organs of Abraham, not yet existing, not yet born, but nevertheless there. Yeah, it is a while. It's, it's, it's when Abraham, what's going on here is when Abraham offered tithes to Melchizedek, Levi was tithing to Melchizedek. He was involved in that act. He may as well been there because biblically he was or right in the loins of his great-grandfather. So when Abraham admit, uh, uh, submitted himself to Melchizedek, guess what? The, he caused Levi, the whole Levitical priesthood, to be in submission as well. To who? To Melchizedek, who, if he wasn't Jesus, he was represented Jesus, the high priest. That's his point. Now, this is the same principle that's found in Romans 5, except there it talks about Adam instead of Abraham. So Adam rebelled against the Lord, sinning in full knowledge of what he was doing. He made the decision, you see, to, to disobey God and suffer the consequences. In that disobedience, 
it completely affected uh, 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 you and me. That one act of disobedience. We were not in existence yet. We were thousands of years removed from the Garden of Eden. But in God's way of looking at us, we were in the loins of Adam when he sinned and disobeyed. We were involved in his actions. Even though he was the one who rebelled, we all share in the consequences of what he did because we were in him. We were part of him. It doesn't matter if you're a good or bad person. Goodness has nothing, badness has nothing to do with any of this. We were all, every one of us, born into this race of Adam. And understand this, Adam's race will never inherit the kingdom of heaven. For a member of Adam's race, because we're all born in that race, for a member of that race to have eternal life with God, he or she must experience what the Bible calls new birth. It's a birth into, listen to this, it's a birth into a new race. It's a birth into a new genealogy. It's a birth into a new bloodline that traces itself to the Son of God. Because just as you were in Adam when he made the decision to disobey God, you were in the last Adam when he paid the, 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 the penalty of sin. You were existing in the spiritual loins of Jesus, the sinless one. Even though we weren't physically there, we fully participated in his death and his, and his resurrection. You were there. Not, this is not pretending like, let's just imagine we were there kind of thing, you know. It's, it's, this, the Bible teaches us that we were buried with Jesus and we were raised with Jesus. And so here's the deal. As the last Adam buried with him the power of sin and death, we were in him when he did it. Then as the second man because he's the last Adam, he's also the second man. As the second man, he gave birth to this entire new bloodline, and we were in him when he did it. All of this means that just as sin and death have no power over Jesus, sin and death have no power over we who are in Jesus. Just as Jesus rose from death, he ascended back to heaven, and he's now seated in the, in the heavenly, so we have come from death into life and are now seated in the heavenlies. You don't buy that? I, it's Colossians 3. I'm not making it up. So again, what happened in uh, Romans 5 is that Adam's sin infected the entire human race. But then came the one who was called the last Adam. And it was the last Adam who had to drink that cup of suffering in another garden, Gethsemane. And Jesus was not concerned about, about physical death. He was concerned about having to drink a cup that was filled with all the wickedness, all the perverseness, all the filth, and all, everything um, unbelievably imaginable over the course of history that ever has been committed. And he had to drink that cup having never tasted sin. So he who was perfect and pure had to drink a cup that was imperfect and impure. 1 Peter 2.4 says that Jesus bore our sins in his body. Note that. On a tree or the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. That's why he became sin for us, so that we could become in right, righteousness simply means in right standing with God. 
He did it so we could get in right standing with God because we can't do it on our own. It's as if Jesus said, I'm, as the last Adam, I'm going to gather into myself the whole totality of the sin of Adam's race, everything. And I'm going to take it to the cross. And I'm going to pay the penalty of it. As the last Adam, Jesus is saying, I'm going to do for you what you could never do for your own self. But of course, Jesus was not only the last Adam, as I said, he's the second man. Now, there's no such thing as the last man. I hear that sometimes. I say, there's no last man. It's the first Adam and the last Adam, meaning he's the last of that, you see? He came in the form of, he's the last one. But then there's the first man and the second man because they're two, they're two initiators of two different races. Paul teaches this in 1 Corinthians 15, that there's these two, basically, he says that there's two heads of two races. There's the first man, Adam, and the second man, Jesus. One's earthly, Paul writes, one's heavenly. But if you're only born into the earthly race, which, hey, guess what? Every one of us has been, right? We're all born in the earth. So if you're only born into the earthly race, you will never enter the heavenly one, but will die an earthly person. That's the bad news. But if you're born a second time into the race of the second man, you live forever in his heavenly kingdom. That's the good news. Jesus said, I came from above. You must be born from above. So there's really two different messianic roles. As the last Adam, Jesus gathered up the total sin of Adam's race, the first man, the, 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 the first Adam's race, and he placed it on himself in his body. Then as the second man, he gave birth to this whole new genealogy, the eternal family of God. In other words, as the last Adam, Jesus put an end to the power of sin and death that was brought into the world by the first Adam. As a second man, Jesus initiated this entire new race of men and women that no longer, listen, no longer have to live according to the ways of the first man, but would be an eternal race. And just as you were born into the first race, so you have to be born again to get into the second. So let's take a look at this new birth. John chapter 19, after Jesus died on the cross, it says a soldier took his spear, pierced his side with it, and a sudden flow of blood and water came out. Then in verse 35, the apostle John, he refers to himself when he says, the man who saw this, sees John the apostle, he's standing at the cross, he's watching the death of Jesus, he's watching the spear going out, he's seeing blood and water come out, and he says, the man who saw it has given testimony. Note that, it's... It's my testimony, John says, and my testimony is true. Then he writes his first letter in John 5, verse 6, and he says this, this is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. It's the Spirit who testifies. First John testifies, now the Spirit is testifying. What are the elements of birth? Water and blood. We're told that Jesus did not come by water only, but by water and blood. Then as he hung on the cross, that soldier thrust him, uh, that, that spirit into his side and out gush, gush uh, blood and water. The Holy Spirit said, must have said, John, pay attention to that. This is significant here. And then years later, John writes his, his gospel and his letters, and he emphasizes the water and the blood. Now, how was Eve created by God? The Lord opened up. Adam's side, took out a rib and built a, 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 and built a woman. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, uh, Adam said. 
And then we're told in Ephesians chapter 5 that this is a great mystery, but the church has been joined to Jesus in the same way, bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. So what happened to Adam and why God produced woman out of the sight of man was to serve as a type or shadow of how the second race was also going to come into existence. So as Jesus was on the cross, his side was torn open. It became, if you will, the very womb of God that would give birth to a new generation of men and women. Ones who would bear the image of the one giving them birth. So Jesus was both giving birth and actually the first one born. He came forth as the first fruit of his own womb. He gave birth to an entire new race of man, a race that you have to be born again into in order to be part of God's family. So the Bible teaches us that, that Jesus was the first fruit of his own womb. He says that he was the firstborn from the dead. It says he was the beginning of the creation of God. And it says he was the firstborn among many brothers. That's you and me. The, 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 these are the phrases that are used of Jesus, but they have nothing to do with his existence. Some people get that wrong. Nothing to do with his existence because he is eternal. They have everything to do with our existence, the body of Christ. Just as woman was fa fashioned from the side of man in order to be completely one with man, so the church has been fashioned from the side of Jesus in order to be one with him. And just as woman means from the womb of man, so Christian means ones of Christ. Eve was therefore created out of the rib of Adam and became his bride. And we have been created, this new race, out of the rib of Jesus, the second man, and became his bride. Whew. I'm not done yet. Just getting started. Before, I told you you gave me the whole package. It takes a while. But anyway, before all this took place... In other words, let me take a drink of water. When we were of Adam's race, everything worked against us. You know, we had this awful corruption that we couldn't do anything about. We were prisoners, actually. In Adam's race, through the law of heredity. And as a result, the sentence of death was upon us because sin and death are linked together. The wages of sin, the penalty of sin, is death. But once we're in the bloodline of the second man, everything works for us. You were in his body when he died on the cross. When he raised himself from the dead, meaning Jesus, again you were in him. And as he's seated in the heavenlies, now, right now with the Father, you are in him. That is why the Bible tells us that we are buried with, together with him, we are raised together with him, and we will be glorified with him. Because everything Jesus did, you were in him when he did it. Everything. This is what it means to be in Christ Jesus. If you've read the Bible, you're going to see that in the New Testament and Paul's writings a lot. In Christ Jesus. It means that it, it, uh, it means that, that we are part of him. We've been born directly out of his spiritual womb when we received him as our Lord, as our master. 1 Peter 1.23 tells us that we've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Well, guess what? The perishable seed is the seed of the first man. And the imperishable seed is the seed of the second man. And then in 1 John 3, 9, it says, God's seed remains in us. That means that we have the seed of God within us. 
Does that blow your mind or what? Come on. A seed of God within me? And it's like God has taken everything Jesus is, his righteousness, his purity, his holiness, and he's planted it within us. Because, because we are born again at that point into this new race, an eternal race. We're never going to taste eternal death. It's a race that's imperishable as the seed from which it came. So when all this happens, you know, we, you change from one heredity to another heredity, from one family tree to another family tree, from one bloodline to another bloodline. And guess what? Every single person is in one or the other. There's no gray. You're in one bloodline or another. How could it be otherwise? And, and, and those of you who are in Christ Jesus, it's a new inheritance. I talked, I prayed over Phil about, you know, this inheritance, that faith is an inheritance to them. And, and, and th- what we are, we are this, an inheritance that occurs by God planting within you the seed of his son. Where Jesus actually does come and take residence within your life and fills you with his spirit. And so because of that, you are now part of the hereditary, uh, heredity of Jesus and all the benefits of that heritage is also yours. Let me say it this way. In Adam, we reaped what he sowed. Sorry about that. Can't do anything about it. But see, the good news, same is true of Jesus. We are the beneficiaries of everything he sowed. And not only that, we are no longer connected to the first bloodline, you see. Whatever happened to us in Adam has been cut off in Christ Jesus. What that means to you is if you inherited a bad temper from your earthly father, your new father doesn't have one. <laughs> if, you, if you inherit depression or a poor self-image or, or a dis, come from a dysfunctional family, you're not, you're, no, it ain't happening anymore with your new family. It's not there with your new family. In other words, whatever baggage you've had from Adam's race is buried with Jesus. Hell is a finished event for us. We live in the resurrection. And that's the nature of new, no, new birth, you see, because Satan has no more claim on you than he has on the risen Jesus. We give him claim. We give him authority. We believe his lies, but he has no claim more on you than he does on the risen Jesus because you are a new bloodline. You're in a new bloodline with a new inheritance. And by the way, you're a citizen of heaven. You see, for me, these truths are, they have the ability to change the way I approach Scripture, I read Scripture, and I, I know myself. And they also are able to catapult me into a deeper arena of faith by grabbing hold of all the promises of God because I really know who I am in Jesus. That's what this does for me. See, Abraham received what was promised to him because he believed in the God of the Old Covenant. You can receive all that the Lord has promised you if you believe in the God of the New Covenant. That God became man. He conquered sin and death, and he allows you to, 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 he gives you complete access to everything he's accomplished. You see, Jesus, he is the trailblazer. He has blazed a path for you to follow. He is not settling for anything less than what he already obtained. In fact, your Savior is not content to stand in isolated glory as the Son of God, the great high priest and the heir of all things. He has become those things in order for us to be sons of God, heirs of all things, and priests in his kingdom. 
You see, sharing in both his glory and his inheritance is his glory. And that's why the Apostle Paul, he writes in Galatians 4 to come out of the spirit of slavery into the spirit of sonship. He writes that God sent his son to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. This means that we're no longer slaves, but rather sons and daughters in God's family. And Paul even tells us that we own the whole estate. Now, this is significant because how can Paul say this? I mean, how can he claim something like this, that we own the whole estate? Because we're heirs of the estate. <laughs> you know, if you're an heir, you have ownership. And, and, and just as it is true that God has ownership of us, but it's also true that he's given us ownership over his estate. Why would he do that? Because we're sons. I mean, we could squander away this inheritance. We often do. We're often like the younger brother and the prodigal son where we just squander away our inheritance. Or we, like the older brother, we can fail to grasp the significance of an essence of our inheritance and, and just slave away in the fields. Or we can live our lives as true and rightful heirs. So how do we live this? What do we do? How do we take advantage of everything the Father has for us? Well, the next verses, verses 6 to 7 in Galatians 4. Because you are his sons, and the word there is, is weos, it's mature sons. It's not infants, it's not baby. Because they already talked about don't be like infants anymore. Be like sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but uh, uh, God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. And Abba was the Aramaic word for daddy. It's a, uh, it was a term of intimacy. You know, and so um, I know, you know, some people are very formal <clears throat> with God. I mean, I call him father. Some people call him Lord. It's kind of cool that we, we could call him daddy if we wanted to, and he'd be okay with that. He's majestic. He's powerful. He's like, you've got to respect this father, but you can draw near and deep intimacy with him as well and call him daddy. So when a person accepts Jesus into their life, they're positionally, okay, a son of maturity, a son of the Father with all the rights of sonship, all of them. Now, then the Holy Spirit comes at the same time, and he brings the intimacy um, uh, that's required to walk in maturity. This means that to walk in the maturity of a son, we need to live in the intimacy of a son. For example, the both the younger and, uh, and older brothers were sons of the father, but neither lived in intimacy. The younger one left his father's house while the older one worked out in the fields like a common slave instead of a son. So in order for either one to walk in the maturity of who they were called to be, who they really were actually in their father's house, they first had to live in intimacy in the house. And the same is true with you. Your father in heaven wants to tear open the heavens of your life and say, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. In you, I am well pleased. In fact, he says, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours, the Father says. So in conclusion, we're all under the influence. <laughs> we're under the influence of uh, either Adam's race or the influence of the race and bloodline of Jesus. And as long as we're influenced and controlled by the inheritance of the first man, we're never going to receive the inheritance and the promises of the second. But 
God's promises are meant to be received, right? I am promising that he wants them to be received. So it's, it's, but it's only those who walk under the influence of the cross and who understand who it is who's making this promise. It's those who are able to receive what the Father has for them. You see, because we're no longer of the first man's race. We're a member of the eternal royal race. And just as sin dominated the lives of those in the first man's race, so victory over sin is to dominate the lives of those in the race of the second man. You see, everything that was lost by the first man was restored, recovered by the second. And then... It's going to be fully recovered at the glorious return of the second man, Jesus Christ, Lord of lords and King of kings. Let's stand, please. I've got some declarations I want, to, uh, I, I want us to say. If you want to, you don't have to. And then I want to have a time of, of ministry. All right, go ahead and sit down again. You can stay seated. Well, I, 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 um, I know. Well, you can stand. You, you, I, I want. I, I just want you to be able to. Sometimes when people are standing, they can't see this. That's why. I'm, that's why I did that. After we're done, I'll make you. St- I'll let you stand again. But, but see, I, I want us to be. If, if, if you can say something like this, and you can believe it, because um, this is who we are. I am a son, and you can replace daughter if you want. I'm a son of my Father in heaven. Nobody's going to repeat that? Uh, okay, I am, I'll, do, I'll start again. Okay, time out, we'll, we'll start again. I am a, now you can say daughter. I am a son of my Father in heaven. With the full rights and privileges of a son. I have been born again into the race and bloodline of Jesus. And have put an end to the bloodline and influence of the first Adam over my life. I will be led into the promises that Jesus, the second man, has secured for me. Through my participation, that's the key word, through my participation in both his death and resurrection. Now you can stand. Just two nights ago, we're, 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 we're moving into a time of prayer, and um, I want to say something to, before I, before I to, tell you what the Lord spoke to me two nights ago, but um, if you need prayer today in your relationship with God, in other words, if you feel distant from God in any way, He is drawing you to Him. You might be able to hear something, like an inner voice, or feel something. That's the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit leads us to Jesus. Jesus leads us to the Father. And, 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 and He might be moving upon you, so I encourage you not to walk away without asking someone to pray for you because, and, and stating, you know, I could be closer to God than I am. And that's what we're asking. If, if you feel that and you say, you know what, I need someone to pray for me, you can come up here, you can... Uh, see somebody around you, but, but I need to be closer to God. I'm not as close as I could be.
And two, two nights ago, the Lord quickened my spirit to focus. I was at the conference and to focus on the significance of resurrection and insurrection. And I didn't, I didn't put it together. I didn't even think about the teaching I'm doing, which is all about resurrection. But, um, you know, I'm thinking, what is this insurrection? And so he told me that he spoke this sentence to me. He said, resurrection, sons and daughters of the king. That's you. Resurrection, sons and daughters of the king. Perform acts of insurrection against all powers of darkness. So I decided, well, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta seek Webster on this. <laughs> Look up these words, you know, and uh, and, and 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 so. I looked up resurrection, and it's mostly associated, as you can imagine, with Jesus, and rightly so. But another definition is this, the state of one, little o, the state of one, like you and me, risen from the dead. Colossians 3.1 says, you have been raised with Christ. Will you be raised with Christ, or have you already been raised with Christ? See, it's past tense. You already have been raised with Christ. So you are a resurrection son or daughter. Well, then I looked up the uh, insurrection, and it means revolt and defiance. It means an outbreak against powers of authority. I thought, okay, now we're getting this, because insurrection is obviously a bad thing when, when, um, when the authority is godly, but when there are evil, dark, and demonic powers of authority, insurrection is necessary. So you are a resurrection son, you are a resurrection daughter. And as such, you're called to perform acts of insurrection against all powers of darkness. You are called to revolt against the authority of the dark world. You are called to defy the false government of a false god. You are called to be part of this growing outbreak against everything opposed to Jesus. So, we want to... Uh, Phil's going to do something here, a song or something and we can worship but we want to pray we want to pray for uh we want to pray for if you need to get closer to jesus get closer to the father to be come to that place where you can actually call him abba you can actually say daddy to him because i never had that kind of relationship so has been kind of what you might call stiff and formal but the father wants to break that down and have an intimate relationship and if and, and at the same time we want to pray for people that are struggling with mental and emotional issues that are pulling you away from who you really are. It, see, this is the battle for your soul. It goes on all our lives. Our mind, emotions, and will, that's our soul, it goes on throughout our lives. There's a battle there. And we want to pray for those who are struggling with a mental issue or emotional issue now and bless you with that. So you can, again, you can come up here for prayer or you can just talk to um, you know, well, there's a lot of family members here, and I know they all love to pray, so you can seek out anybody, and, and we'll pray over you, okay? Father, I ask for the seed of your word to go deep within our hearts this day, that you would plow it into the soil of our hearts and water it with your presence. We bless your name, God. We thank you. What an inheritance. <laughs> what an inheritance we have, Lord. We bless your name. We thank you for your work. In Jesus' name, amen.